Welcome to the Duck Pin Podcast with your host, Brian Griffiths. And now, here's Brian. My guest this evening is a man who wears many hats. He is the chairman of the Southern Maryland Young Republicans. He is the treasurer for the Maryland Black Republican Caucus. He is also secretary for the Charles County Republican Central Committee. Joining us on this week's episode of the Duck Pin Podcast, my friend Julian Boykin. Julian, thanks for joining us on this week's show. Thank you for having me, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, great. Great to have you on this week. So over the past weekend, we had the Maryland Republican Party convention. Um, the uh, the elections were uh, held for, for all of the offices. Dirk Hare was reelected as chairman, your central committee chairman, uh, or former central committee chairman at least, and the chairman of the Maryland Black Republican Caucus, Nicole Bennett, elected first vice chair, Al Mendelson second vice chair. Uh, the other offices were uncontested. I just wanted to get your take as somebody who is deeply involved in the Republican Party at many levels in the state of Maryland, just kind of get your take on the elections and where uh, where you see the election results moving the Maryland Republican Party forward? Well, uh, we can uh, we can start at the top with the chair. Um, I know for the last year, you know, there was a rift between Dirk and Brandon, uh, the, the past first vice chair. So that was a, the rift between them two that kind of dragged on for about a year. And in my opinion, it kind of took away from the party itself as far as showing that we're unified. So I felt like probably more than what any of them anticipated it would drag on. And sometimes I wondered, you know, if Dirk or Brandon ever looked at the effects of not of what it has on their legacy, but how it affects other Republicans, especially black Republicans that may want to run for office in the state of Maryland that, you know, if I decide to run in a couple of years, I don't want that to come up and it'd be a topic of discussion like, hey, how do you feel about this particular situation? And it takes away from my campaign or any campaign from another African-American or a minority that, that may have to answer for that. Mm-hmm. Do you think so, that, the, you know, yeah. when you look at how much that animosity do you think? I mean, we had, you know, there obviously we had there were three people running the chairman, uh, Dirk Hare. And challenged by 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 two vice chairmen, both African Americans, as you said, Brandon Cooper from Prince George's County and Tony Campbell um, from Baltimore County. Um, do you think that that sends a message to to other folks that you know that um, you know that 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 successful black candidates or, or successful black leaders may have a problem? Um, you know, obviously, Michael Steele was the chairman of the party back, you know, but that was twenty years ago at this point. So, do you think that that message, just kind of that overall party leadership? Um, sends a message and do you think that's a message that um those in the african-american community um kind of really pay attention to it depends i mean some people will look at it and and probably look make more of the situation than, than it really should um i think if you give something attention and you know you want to give it the legs so it can grow it'll do that but i think if you just Look at it, learn from it, and move forward, and just stick to the plan. The plan is to and make sure that we have as many Republicans in, in elected seats as possible, regardless of color. But at the same time, you know, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it again. So I believe, you know, I just sit on the sideline as I've been doing, and just look and learn, listen, and you know, and just pick and choose. Like, okay. In the military, they have a saying, you can't die on every hill, which means 
some stuff you got to let go. You know, if if you realize it's not worth fighting for it and it's not worth losing focus, you let it go. Because if you let do it, it can take you out of it. It can take you off your game as far as what your plan is, what your goals are, what your strategy is. So for me, I look and learn, you know, I'll give my opinion about it. I spoke to Brandon one-on-one. I spoke to Dirk one-on-one, and I told him the same thing. Hey, you guys need to sit down, smoke a cigar, have a drink, whatever you got to do to hash out the differences. And from that, that was it. You know, I was like, hey, I'm not here to, you know, pick and choose sides. I'm just looking at the outside, and I can see later on down the line, this and it may be a problem for black and brown people that's in the party. You know, and I don't want... I don't want anybody, any minority to have to answer for, for somebody else's you know, decision, you know, for somebody else's, you know, beef, whatever the case may be. So hopefully moving forward, you know, this GOP, we, we're focused on trying to just get a as far as who's trying to run for office, who's up for re-election, and what seats that we, you know, that the party thinks they have a really, really good chance at winning. That's, that's my focus. That, I mean, for me, I can only speak for me. Of course, yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about Charles County and kind of that, you know, as it relates to Charles County and what opportunities uh, might be available for Republicans to to succeed in 2022. I know a lot of folks thought that Bill Dotson, who was the Republican nominee for state Senate in District 28 in 2018, I think a lot of people thought he was going to do a little better than I think he wound up doing. Um, obviously, a lot of this is going to be up in the air because, you know, with redistricting coming between now and then, we're not entirely sure what some of these districts are going to look like, and, and we're hoping, obviously, that Governor Hogan gives us a fair map with single-member districts in the House of Delegates. But what opportunities do you guys see down there in Charles County? Do you guys how, – how successful have you been so far kind of recruiting candidates to prepare them? I mean, we're already now kind of getting into the stage where it's go time for candidates who want to run. How, how have you guys been doing down there with, with that candidate recruitment and preparing those good Republicans to be, to be credible challengers in 22? It's been going pretty good. I think right now you have people who are lurking, just trying to see who's running. And then you have that conversation piece where names are thrown out, but you really don't know who's serious or not. You know, in my opinion, you don't see who's serious until right in the fourth quarter, where you start seeing a lot of people pop up. And then as as close as you get to the election, you know, folks start dropping off. And then you start to see, okay, who's really serious? Who's went to LI, took those classes that are needed to help prepare them for election as far as campaign, fundraising, public speaking, and things of that nature. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, let's talk now about the, a little bit about the Maryland Black Republican Council. And uh, obviously you mentioned that you are you are the treasurer for that group. As I mentioned earlier, your, uh, your chairman, Nicole Bennett, elected as first vice chairman of, uh, of the state party yesterday. Um, Talk a little bit about the work that MBRC has been doing, how important it is to have somebody, um, you know, who, who's been a leader of MBRC, uh, how important it is for them to see them elected at state party chairman and be the second highest ranking Republican in uh, in party leadership. It's tremendous. Uh, first and foremost, congrats to Nicole. Um, she's put a lot of work in in various committees and various campaigns. So no hard work, you know, goes goes unnoticed. So kudos to Nicole for, for, for um, winning first vice. It definitely sheds a lot of light on the position and it gives a lot of African-Americans, you know, enthusiasm and and lets us know, hey, you know what? We can be in leadership. We don't necessarily have to be in in the background just being a support role. You know, Nicole has definitely said, you know, when we run, we win. 
and she has shown that significantly as far as she set a goal. She she said, "Hey, I'm going to run for first first vice. This is my plan. These are the things we want to campaign on." And she just went forth with it. And if anything, Nicole has definitely shown. You know, when you come up with a plan and you you surround yourself with positive, like-minded people that believe in your plan and that can see the cracks in it and help you modify it and make it make it spill proof so it can be perfect. She is a perfect example of perseverance and a perfect example of what can happen when you set out on a goal, no matter how big the goal is. It doesn't matter if you know if you're trying to run for first vice for the party or if you want to run for lieutenant governor, governor, Congress, Senate, whatever the case may be. And I see a lot more um, black and brown people coming to the party. You know, if anybody's watching the minority, I, I highly encourage you to definitely check us out at the MBRC and see what we have to offer. Granted, you know, we're trying to do things different as far as in the past, the only time you would see the RNC coming to the black community is when it's time for an election and we're looking for your vote. So MBRC, we're trying to change that and we're trying to be more involved with the community as far as, yes, we want your vote, but we also want to make sure that you see us and you know that we are here. We are trying to be involved in whatever activities or programs that you have going on, so whatever questions or concerns or things you may need help with, we're trying to be there. We're trying to be there where we can help you to, to better yourself. So whatever programs you know that the Black community has, I don't know all of them. So if, if anybody wants to reach out, please reach out to me so we can figure out a ways to help make you know help bridge that gap when it comes to the art in the black community you know even down south where i'm from mississippi you don't see the rnc at all so to see it here in maryland and it's the same trend you know you'll start seeing them door knocking when oh hey we're campaigning for this person vote for this person no what i want to do is as me putting putting in my fourth effort and doing my part is to just get a head start I want you to know my name. I want you to know who I am, where I'm from, and I also want to know your name. You know, you know, I want to know your kids, your wife, your husband, what type of work you do. What are some of the things you're, that's most important to you? What are your core values? What are, what would you like to see as far as with, with your child's, you know, those type of things? What you know, tell me about your 401k. Tell me about how, how much healthcare means to you. You know, tell me what what type of fuel you want for your kids. If your kids don't want to go to college they want to they don't want to go to the military we have to have things in place for them so MBRC wants to thoroughly get involved with the communities we want to we want to put a footprint footprint in the communities and let the communities know hey we can't speak for everybody else but we as MBRC we are here we want you to know that we care we want to develop a relationship not for your vote but to let you know that hey we are here and we want to bridge that gap that, that has been set forth in the past. So that's what we're trying to do going forward. Yeah, a lot of lot of good work been doing been done by the MBRC trying to, to bridge that gap because as as you point out, um the Republicans, you know, both nationally here in Maryland have done a terrible job um, in, in building that outreach and in actually doing and I think terrible is probably being a, is a charitable word, quite frankly. Um one of the things that that was interesting from 2018 election was the fact that Governor Hogan did so well in uh, in particularly Baltimore City. Um, I mean, 30 odd some percent of the vote in Baltimore City is unheard of for a Republican 
running for for any office, much less office of governor. And um, one of the things, obviously, that the governor did was, the, like you said, the governor was there. The governor was 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 having those conversations, was was talking to people before he was even elected governor. You know, talking to people in the communities, trying to figure out what's going on, and most importantly, trying to figure out what he could do to help. How much of the outreach that Governor Hogan has done has benefited? Um, you know, MBRC's work in reaching out to community groups, to individuals uh, who may not be exposed to the Republican Party apparatus um, previously? It does a lot. It, it makes our job a little easier as far as being able to, you know, get a knock at the door and have, have somebody open the door. You know, a lot of times people will look at the person in charge. They'll look at the governor and lieutenant governor and say, hey, they're not doing anything, so why should we, you know, entertain what you're doing? But since Governor Hogan has established and started the bridging the gap with, you know, with the, the RNC and the Black community, it makes it a little bit easier for MBRC to be able to knock on the door and say, "Hey, how are you doing? We're MBRC. This is what we're about. You know, we're having a, um, an event." You know, a meet and greet event, we'd love to have you. We're not asking you to join the Republican Party. We're just asking you to give us a chance, hear what we have to say, and see if it's a good fit for you. And it may or may not be. But thanks to Governor Hogan, he's made that a little easier for us to just to be able to have a face-to-face conversation with people. But typically in the past, we, w- we wouldn't get an answer from the door. We would get, you know, door slams in our face, or it'll be just something negative based on the fact of the past. And a lot of times when you're trying to engage people in the present, they're going to judge you on what's going on in the past. It's like, no, you know, you guys never never come around and see what we have to offer, what we have going on. You don't want to hear our concerns. You only want to come around and ask us for our vote when you need it. So thanks to Governor Hogan, it has allowed us to be able to come in, gain some traction, utilize what Governor Hogan has already started, and build and add upon that momentum. Conversely, um, President Trump, obviously being the leader of the national party. Um, some of the comments the president has made, some of the company the president has kept over the years, um, you know, ha- has been, ha- has made certainly negative comments about the African-American community, minorities in general. Um, so to kind of contrast what doors Governor Hogan may have opened for the MBRC over the last couple of years, what doors has President Trump closed over the last couple of years has there been any places where you've gone and talked to folks and said who said thanks to something that president trump did thanks but no thanks um you probably have some 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 doors you know you have a lot of people within the black community that tried to give president trump a fair and reasonable opportunity but based on some things he said and done you know they weren't able to look past that and sometimes you know you can you can try to tell a person, okay, the president has done this, he's done that. But when people look and they hear some of the things that the president says, and you know, the president is an adult, he's his own individual, so he's going to speak mind however he wants to. It makes it a little hard to try to engage people when you have the president of the United States saying certain things that may or may not go well with, with, with the black community. So when you have that, sometimes you just got to take an L and just keep moving, you know, you know, you, I, I can tell when I can, if they're really open to what I'm saying, they can tell, they look me in the face and say, Julian, I like what you're talking about, but the fact, fact of the matter is, you have this person who is at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, and some of the things he says, 
it, it shows lack of respect as a leader. And I feel like if you're the president of the United States, there are certain things that you sh should and shouldn't say when it comes to a national platform. And, you know, when people say that, I just respect what they say. You know, I know how far to push and how far to just say, you know what, I respect what you have to say. Thank you for your time. You know, if there's something I can do as far as, you know, if you want to, if you have any, you know, if there's a chance that we can change your mind, or if you're still open to coming to any of our events, please reach out to me. You know, if you have a contact inf information where I can reach out to you and, and invite you to some of our events, you know, and we just go forward. You know, 50-50 draw. Sometimes I look up and get a contact and I can still engage with those individuals. And sometimes they're just turned off completely with the president. Now we have President Biden-elect who is, who has been, you know, elected as the new president going forward. There's been a lot of pushback from President Trump and, you know, the RNC itself. So I know, I think is what, is it tomorrow that the Electoral Congress yes. votes are supposed yeah, we're to go ahead yeah. and solidify and do whatever. You know, I've had a lot of people ask questions about that. And my thing is, I've done my part. You know, if there was federal cheating that has taken place, if it is going to be found, it's going to be found. If it's not found, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, I can accuse you of stealing something from me all day, but if I can't prove it, it's, you know, I have no case. So at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's not a lot we can do. Yeah. So if, if President Biden and Vice President Harris are going to be the new elect going forward, that's what we have to work with. You know, we still have to do what's best for the people. That's 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 what we do. When we run for office, you're you're campaigning for for the vote from the people to represent the people and make sure you do whatever it is that you say you're going to do to make sure you better the lives for constituents. So, regardless of who it is, if it's a Democrat in office or Republican in office, we still have to represent people. So, you know, those people who are diehard Trump supporters, you know, they don't like what's going on. I mean, it's not a lot I can say. You know. Hopefully, the, the, those same people that you asked about that are that may have been turned off with President Trump's comments. Hopefully, I can go back to those those individuals and say, "Hey, President's not in office. Would you be more entertained now to engaging with us and seeing what we have to offer?" So I just I just look at it as a positive. You know, I, I try to spin it as best way I can. You know, if someone is turned off by the president's comments, you know, come January twenty first, we're we're swearing in. You know. President-elect Joe Biden, I'm going to go back to those individuals and say, hey, just trying to see if you would you know, be willing to come out to a meet and greet that we're having and see what we're about. This year, um, Kim Klasick ran for Congress in the 7th Congressional District, uh, raised a lot of attention, um, you know, as an African-American woman running for Congress against against a, a longtime Democratic congressman. You know, raised a lot of attention about the plight uh, in, in Baltimore City, um, raised a ton of money. Uh, all over the country, yes. um, the results were pretty much the same <laughs> as as they were um, previously. Um, what do you think will be the long tail of of uh, Kim Klasick's runs for Congress? What do you think? Um, you know, based based on what you've seen, based on what you know about the Klasick campaign, what uh, what impact do you think her campaign is going to have on? outreach efforts for Republicans uh, in, amongst African-Americans in, in Baltimore City over the next couple of years? Hopefully her campaign will inspire more African-Americans, especially those African-Americans that identify as Republican. Hopefully her campaign will inspire them to run. Um, Kim ran. Nobody gave her a chance. 
you know, you know that as well as I do. The RNC didn't didn't think she had a chance. I mean, I, I took my hat off to her. She is a true definition of perseverance. I mean, you, you raise over eight million dollars, you know, no help. You know, everybody kind of took her as a joke and said she wasn't going to do anything. But I will took my hat off to her because she definitely made a name for herself and she definitely opened the doors as far as yes, I am in a Democrat ran community, a Democrat man district, but I am a Republican. This is what I believe in. And granted, it sparked national attention with the first commercial she did. So, you know, timing timing is everything. One of the things that you had talked about earlier was reaching out to folks and, and talking about issues and, and kind of issues, ways that we could um, as Republicans, as conservatives, can can reach out to to the minority community. And you already talked about some of those things. You're particularly talking about opportunities that are not people who go to college or the military, you know, t- technical opportunities, training opportunities. Um, a lot of a lot of folks talk about life issues as being a way to enter into, um, you know, to, to have that conversation um, with, with African-American communities, uh, particularly as it relates to, you know, to people who who attend church regularly. What opportunities do you think the GOP is missing, particularly just on the issues um, to to become attractive to uh, to to African American and other minority voters. What issues should Republicans be emphasizing um, when it when when talking to to voters who may not otherwise give Republicans a chance? I think the GOP should address the real issues. Um, and for 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 the audience and the viewers that that follow you. I'm not from Maryland, so I am born and raised in Mississippi. So I grew up with racism. So when when I hear and see things and people say that's racist, I tell them like, mm, you know, my idea of racism and people from Maryland idea of racism is two different two different viewpoints. And I think the GOP should address the real issue, and that is social injustice to black people. You know. Talk about those hard, those hard conversations that you don't want to address. That's what black people are waiting on. You know, talk about how, you know, we lack financial literacy programs. Talk about how, you know, small businesses, you know, we, we lack, you know, being able to add to the small business as far as, you know, come up with solutions where we can get more business loans for small business so we can better our lives and leave a legacy to our kids and our grandkids. You know, when you look at, you see blacks in poor communities, you know, prime example, Baltimore. You know, you'll be surprised how many black people cannot read in Baltimore. So when you can't read, you don't have a lot of choices in life. You just, you you start taking on the life of crime just because it's hard to get a job. So if I can't get a job and provide my family, I have to do something. So if crime is the only choice I have, whether it's robbing people or selling drugs, then I have to do what I have to do to take care of my family. So I think the GOP needs to address those issues and, and realize that, yes, we have black people that, that's in the ghetto, that's struggling, that's trying to do better. But at the same time, we didn't ask for that. If we have doors that are closed in front of us and we can't walk through those doors, and the only door we have to walk through is illegal activity, whether selling drugs or robbing, things of that nature, then we have to do what we have to do to survive. So I think if the GOP is serious about 
you know, bridging the gap with the black community is, and, and really want to talk about those those hard issues that's going to bring tears to your eyes, whether if it's okay, if, if the GOP is responsible for some of these, these things that have happened to the black community, address it, own it, apologize for it and figure out how can we fix these issues? How can we fix it to where our youth can have laptops? How can we fix it to where our youth can have access to Wi-Fi and internet? Right now, if you look across the country, especially within the state of Maryland, Montgomery County, which is, I think, the largest county in Maryland, they have a huge problem right now with students failing. And I'm not talking about students that were failing prior to COVID. You have kids who were passing, and now they're failing, which mitigates that old rumor of, well, the elderly people will have trouble with you know online and technology and things of that nature. As we can see now, that's not the case. We have people sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade in junior elementary, junior high, high school that are tech savvy. They can dissect the, the latest iPhone, the latest Android. They can dissect it, but they're having trouble learning. So when you look at the fact when it comes to crime, if you're back and you get charged with a crime, if you don't have money to afford the right attorney, you're in trouble. Or if you can't even read, you're really in trouble. So let's address those hard issues and figure out a way to fix those issues. That's what I would tell the GOP. That's what I would tell Dirk Hale. I'm like, hey, if you're serious about training support from the black community, let's address those issues that have plagued black community for years. Let's talk about entrepreneurship. Let's talk about small business. And let's let's address the issue of the PPP loans and how a lot of small businesses did not receive the money that they should have gotten. But a lot of big businesses, they did get that money. Like the Los Angeles Lakers, they received PPE. Now, was it illegal? I don't know. Did they meet the qualifications? I don't know. I know they got it. It was a lot of other businesses that received PPE, and that money could have went towards small businesses that could have helped a lot of small businesses in the state of Maryland. You know, some people don't realize small businesses are the pillar of this country. You know, we rely heavily on small business to get us through hard times. And right now, it's hard times where we really need our small businesses to come through. But in order for small businesses to come through, they have to have those necessary funds to keep their doors open. But it's hard for small businesses to keep their doors open when their customers don't have jobs. So if I'm an employee, I can't support my small business. But at the same time, we have to address the the fact of how come we lack when it comes to minority business ownership? How come we lack when it comes to minority home ownership? So we as the GOP, and I speak for me because yes, I'm a registered Republican, but these are some of the issues that I see. And yes, it makes it a little easier when you can talk to a black person that can really be honest with you. And you know me, Brian, you know, I don't sugarcoat nothing. So I will tell you the honest God truth. You know, when it comes to Defund the police. I am not a supporter of defunding the police. What I am a supporter of is coming up with different programs to help the police department become better. I believe we need to go back to the old school way of doing things where you had a police officer that lived in a certain district and that police officer patrolled that district. So that cop knew the kids, the grandkids, everybody. So that cop, if that cop stopped the child, that cop already knew the child's parents, uncles, and aunts. So that cop had a better understanding of who that child is and what that child upbringing is like. 
you don't have that now. So now you just got cops all over the city patrolling. So that's another thing that the GOP needs to address. Baltimore has a lot of crime. Why does Baltimore have a lot of crime? It's not hard to figure out. Let's look at the people you arrest. What, what, is, their, what is their reading level like? What kind of jobs do they have? You, you, once you start connecting the dots, you realize that black people have been disenfranchised. So if the GOP is serious about change, and in order for that change to come with the GOP, you're gonna need some fresh blood with some new ideas. You're gonna need some, you're gonna need to see, you're gonna need to see faces like myself. No disrespect to the old guard, but I just think at some point, us millennials, we have to step up and take lead, not wait our turn as we're being told by some of the old guard leadership. We just gotta take lead. Here, here. You know, somebody's not gonna let you run, just just take lead. You you know what needs to be done for the next 30 to 40 years. We just need to take lead. And it it does help as a Republican when I go to the black community and I'm like, hey, yes, these are the issues. I am not afraid to speak up for these issues and address these issues. But it also has to be a a 50-50 effort from the community as far as to wanting to engage with the RNC. Here, 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 here. I couldn't say it better myself. One last thing before we get get you out of here. Um, Over the course of the last couple of months, um, even including this this election for state party office, you've been doing your own show, uh, your Facebook Live uh, kind of interview series uh, with various candidates for public office, for uh, you know, for state party office, et cetera, and so forth. Tell people a little bit about that. What kind of um, gave you the idea to do that, and uh, kind of where people can find out more about those about those episodes. The show is called Political Talk with JB. Um, that name came from my wife, Teresa. The idea came from Nicole Bennett, <laughs> my, my, my chair. It, it started as a way to get from, I was getting on my wife's nerves. She was, Teresa was pregnant with our son at the time, right as the pandemic broke. So we're at home, we're both working from home. I'm getting on her nerves. I'm calling Nicole every day, getting on her nerves and he was like, hey, why don't you just start interviewing candidates? Just keep you busy, and it'll, it'll Teresa from ready to bite your head off. And what started as a way, what started as a way for me to just literally to just cope with the change and the somewhat depression like of, of being a hard extrovert to now you're forced to stay inside due to the pandemic, it, it made me look at things in a different way. So I just started reaching out to various candidates, man. I've reached from California to South Carolina to Florida to the Congressman uh, Byron Donalds, who just got elected for Congress down in Florida, to Joe Collins, who ran against Maxine Waters, to all the way up in Minnesota to a gentleman running for um, Orlando, I think it's Orlando Owens. He was running for a state a, a state party position in Minnesota. To Lacey Johnson, who ran against uh, Representative Omar out of Minnesota. And it just took off, you know, I couldn't ask for a, a, a better blessing. And, you know, now I'm trying to reach down to Georgia, interview any any four of those senators if I can. You know, so my purpose of, you know, my wife was like, hey, I think this is something great that you put upon because now you can, you can show people the importance of voting as far as first identifying who is running for office in your area. And once once I started doing it, I started just working on my craft, learning from my mistakes and critiquing and critiquing. I got to the point where I really became good at it. And 
I just kept it going and I plan to keep it going just to show people, hey, this is who is campaigning for your vote. And I want people to understand what the position is, what the duties are and how much power the position has. So once you understand that, you can better align yourself as far as, hey, what are your core values now? Let's go look at all of the candidates that's running for office. Regardless of partisanship, just look at the candidate. Once you figure out which candidate you align yourself with based upon, okay, I like this candidate and this is why, you know, their core values align with my core values. Okay. Now you ask yourself, do you see yourself voting for that person? Okay. Yeah. Then once you decide this is who I want to vote for, then you look at, okay, Republican, they're Democrat. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're a Republican or a Democrat or independent. That just means you identify with the candidate. And I think we got to get back to the basics of voting and not do the straight party line voting, but actually vote for the candidate that you think is going to do the best job based on what he or she is campaigning on. And that's what I plan to do as far as just interviewing the candidates. You know, it seemed to just, it kind of took off. You know, I have a, a nice following. You know, people share it, and I'm able to post it in various groups just to let people know who's running. Like, I was able to do a lot of interviews. I didn't get everybody for the uh, MDGOP, but I was able to, to get a good amount of people and hopefully that gave people a better understanding of who this person is and why they're running for this particular position due to the current situation of the pandemic. And I think once the pandemic is, is somewhat loosened a little where we can kind of get somewhat back to normal, I still plan on doing it just because of time. It's, it's kind of hard to hit every central committee, but during the interviews, it allows you to just, hey, Julian, once we finish, can you email that to me so I can email it to all the central committees? Sure. And it makes it a lot easier for you to get from point A to point B without having to fight through traffic and all the other um, extremities. And I can tell you that based on all the ones that we've done over the years, there is a lot of people who want information and, and about those those local candidates and just don't go no don't know where to go to find it. And um, so it, it's very important work that you're doing, and I and I, I hope you keep it up. And uh, it saves me the trouble from having to do it again in the future. So it's uh, you know anything to get uh, get kind of get the the loosen off my back. Uh, if folks want to reach out to you, want to know more about uh, either the Southern Maryland Young Republicans, the Charles County Central Committee, the Maryland Black Republican Council, how can they do that? Uh, you can reach me on my cell, uh, area code 256-701-0464. You can email me at mrjulian, J-U-L-I-A-N, can be as a boy, O-Y-K-I-N, at gmail.com. That's mrjulianboy at gmail.com, no period. Uh, definitely shoot me an email, um, even if it's something like I'm a I'm also a member with Project 21. So as a nonprofit organization specifically catered to the uplift and betterment of the black community. So I plan on interviewing those can, those employees as well so they can, you know, expound upon what they actually do as far as how they're trying to help the black community because there's a lot of people that don't know that they exist. And I'll get from, from various people that say, hey, Julian, do you know of any nonprofit organizations that are out there to help uplift the black community and Project 21 is, is one of those um, nonprofits. So I want to try to interview those guys and try to spread the word. Because there's a lot of communities out here that's doing good, like yourself, where you're interviewing people and you're talking about the important things. It's just that people don't know it exists and they don't know where to find it. Exactly. Julian Boykin, Southern Maryland Young Republicans Chairman, Maryland Black Republican Council, Charles County Central Committee, man who's very busy. <laughs> Thanks for taking some time to talk to us tonight, man. No problem. You have a good one. You too, Julian. 
This has been the Duckpin Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and download.